Sparkling water, Jason, to match the conversation. It's like sympathetic magic. So I was somewhat chagrined by the fact that I walked 750 kilometres from Lisbon to Fistera. Just that last year. And you have more of a tan than I do. Pretty good weather for a fortnight um, in the door dining, and then quite good weather on the yacht back here. Well, it just goes to show, doesn't it? It's only now autumn is upon us. All you need right. to do is just. I've got an exciting thing for us today. All you need to do is just sit on your ass and drink wine, and you can look as healthy as I do. Adventures in wine. I'm going to um, tell you all about my heroes of the era. I'm David Chandler, and he is Jason Yap. The Erol. The Erol. Spelled H-E-R-A-U-L-T, if I am correct. Is that right? Uh, yeah, H-E-R-A-U-L-T. Yep. Which uh, gives its name to the eponymous department. It's a river that flows down from the Cévennes to join the Mediterranean at Ag. And um, I can't spell that. Can't spell Mediterranean either. So. And um, the reason I'm keen to talk about it is that I think it's the most exciting wine real estate in France. And you're. Francophile wine lovers tend to obsess about Burgundy and Bordeaux and the Rhone, possibly in that order. Yeah. Maybe Alsace, Provence, the Loire afterwards, and the Languedoc has always been considered a bit of a poor relation. Right. And it's insane. It's where some of the best terroir in France oh, so is found. Also, is then um, in the Languedoc... We're firmly in the Languedoc. And we've been there before, haven't we, you and I? We have, but this specific bit I want to focus on is this area northwest of Montpellier where you get rocky outcrops of limestone that give elevation. And right. it's a mistake to think of this as an area with a Mediterranean climate because it isn't. It's much more continental than that. You get okay. hot summers, cold winters. It's more similar really to the Northern Rhone than it is to other areas well, in the Languedoc. But, but that is because it's what? South and West. It is South and West. A lot of it yeah. is about your microclimates, particularly the soil. It's this marl okay. and limestone soil is, is really critical. And the first area we're going to hone in on is the Peak Saint Loup which is this place 18 kilometres northwest of Montpellier, and it's a big outcrop of limestone, right. and it's faced by another big edifice, which is called Ortus. And they, they get up to some pretty high elevations. So the peak peaks at 658 metres above mm-hmm. sea level, mm-hmm. and Ortus a mere 512. But they're quite dramatic when you get up close. Yeah. And... Um, Long been important. First guy whose wines we're going to taste is a seventh generation winemaker, consecutive winemaker. 
but it was being really ill served by the INAO, the Institut National d'Appellation d'Origine, who are Paris based. And they only got their Appellation Controle, or now it's synonymous with Appellation Protege, uh-huh. in 2017. Okay. January 2017. Mm. And that, weirdly, well, it's France for you, it took them 15 years to ratify that. Only applies to red and rose wines because that was a big deal 15 years ago. But it's increasingly important for, I think, interesting white wine. That's partly vineyard management, that's partly cellar management, and better technology. And um, we're going to kick off today with a white wine that I just think is fantastic. Such a pretty name, Peak Sun. This is a blend of Marsan and Roussin. In fact, it's predominantly Roussin, which is interesting. It's 80% Roussin, 20% Marsan. It's made by Xavier Brugier, uh, his eponymous Mass Brugier. Mm. And it's a very important vineyard site. They're, they're based between these two outcrops, between the peak and Ortus, and they're right. one of only two estates in that exact locale. They have 20 hectares of vines in three parcels. All right. But this is a great example of a 21st century white... Cheers. Longer dock. Very plain label on the bottle. And well, that that, is, that depicts that's between the two peaks. There you've got it. You, there you've got it. That's the valley between the two peaks. But so. it's just this kind of long curving line that goes 20, under the text. Twenty seventeen vintage. It's vinified in vat and barrel. It goes in concrete tanks for ten months before blending and bottling. It's organic. It's certified organic. So, when Xavier took over from his dad in two thousand and seven, the first thing he did is put the whole twenty hectares under organic conversion. Mm-hmm. But this is, I must emphasize, this is just an AOP longer dog. There's no okay. white within the peak, which is ridiculous, but there you go. That will probably change eventually. If you look at other Appalachians okay. like Fougere, they tend to start off with red and then bend the rules later. It's got this no quite more. fruity nose and then it's really dry. Stone fruit and yeah. then a slightly sort of gary herbal element, a bit of sort of myrtle and rosemary. Yeah. Dry but very smoothly textured, mm. quite fleshy. That's a little bit too cold. We need to let that warm up in the glass a bit. So I'll just grab some other bottles out of the fridge. But then you've got this lovely, and this is what the area is great for, mineral streak. This mm-hmm. sort of, and that's very much to do with the soil it's grown on. It's a limestone soil, and this comes from the north of the Appalachian, near the village of Lorre. It's, it's quite so long, isn't it? I'm still tasting it. It's got a very long codeine. Yeah. yeah, the mm-hmm. mouthfeel is really long, mm-hmm. and. Um, doesn't demand food accompaniment, but it does stand up well to food. So Xavier Bruyere's mantra is fruit, fraîcheur, and finesse. And the name Les Murrières is what this cuvée is called. It is named after the mulberry tree, which proliferates around the peak. He, he has very specific food recommendations. Okay. Spelt risotto with girolle mushrooms. Spelt, I love spelt. Or fillet of sea bass with buttered cabbage. Okay. Well, I realise we go down a yeah, tree. Um, not complaining. I could be persuaded. Mm. But I'm serving that two degrees too cold, so apologies for that. Well, not that I'd notice, Jason. What Pete Sandwich is better known for, by far, is clanking bottles. 
We've got another four wines to get through. Man, we're supposed to embarrassing recycling bucks in the whole of the street. I tell you, I have to, I have to offset some of it. Um, right, and then this is the red sibling, which is a peak sound loop. And, right, um, okay. In the same vintage, 2017, so a really decent vintage. 2016 was a lovely vintage. The vintage run's been brilliant, but they lost half. How about this? This is the sobering thought. They lost half the potential crop to a hailstorm on the 17th of August. And in half an hour, have a little rumps with this. In half an hour, collectively, all the vineyard was 53 independent vineyard. They lost half their potential crop. So this is the red peak sand loop from Masbruyere, and this is called Labousse, which is the name of the strawberry tree. So there's a bit of a theme there. He goes for local flora. Yeah, but is it too much to say that there's a hint of strawberries there? It's definitely some red fruit, yeah. but there's Gary berries there as mm. well. And what I love about this wine is it's got a sort of untamed quality. It's the sort of antithesis of a supermarket wine. You just get that wildness. Yeah, yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah. A bit of myrtle, thyme. Yeah. And then this sweet core of juicy fruit, you know, black currant and blackberry. And then these quite rugged tannins. And it, it's made to drink very, very intentionally off the bat. But it, you can age this for three to five years or more in a good vintage. And it's got, again, that lovely sort of cooling streak that yeah. you get from this limestone soil. <clears throat> that is. Very, very nice indeed. Mm. Again, a great food wine. Mm-hmm. It'd be lovely with a cassoulet, something like that. You know, for me, this, what's been a real education is spending seven and a half weeks in Spain and Portugal and being away from Yap wines for all that time. It's given me a new appreciation of them, Jason. And these are, these are great value. These are you know, under 20 quid. Right. And um, underrated, but no doubt about it. Now they've got full Appalachian status. We're going to see some price creep, and God knows what this Brexit debark is going to deliver for us. But my advice to anyone who can is to stop our wine right now because um, we, um, we might be drinking um, Bristol water forevermore. Right? And then if you look at my map here, we're just going to move about. 18 kilometers south and west. Okay. To Pouchebon. Sure, I pronounce that. Over there, Jason. It, it, well, here, here we are on to the famous Terrasse de Larzac. And this is a wine made by a relatively young guy. Well, he's in his early 40s. The first vintage was in 1999, but they only made. 5,000 bottles of wine, so relatively niche. Mm. And the estate now extends, so it's Domaine de Montcarmes, it now extends to 22 hectares of vines. And he's a very gifted young winemaker, this guy. Frédéric Portelier, trained with Alain Griot, our old friend from Crozet uh-huh. yeah. and then with Laurent Valle, his near neighbour at the very famous Domaine de la Grange des Pères. And he mainly makes red wine, which again is a Terrasse de Lazac. Exactly the same issue going on here as with Peak Saint Loup. It's best known for its reds, so they're only permitted within the uh, Appellation Controle. Okay. 
Terrace de Laza got cruise status. I mean, even that is 21st century in 2004. And then it got a C status to become a fully fledged Appellation in 2014. And mm. um, this is Frederick's relatively rare white. It accounts for about 10% of production. Okay. 2016 vintage. Lovely vintage. It's a really fresh vintage uh, down there. So people buy a case of the red. We let them buy a bottle of the white. That's about the ratio of sounds me. But... um. That's the deal. This is 50-50, so same grapes as uh, the um, Murier. It's 50% Marsan, 50% Roussan. Let me give you a glass of the rinse, David. Another good label with mm. a big DM, uh, domain Montcarmes. And this is just an up and coming estate. We're, we're tasting this at a time where I don't think, certainly in this country, this hasn't really reached its potential in terms of, of how well known it should be. It's more subtle nose. It's a, it's a deeper colour. Deeper colour, but a more subtle nose, isn't it? It sees more oak. Okay. It's raised in barrel and uh, demi mui, which is a double size, five or six hundred litre barrels. Mm. You've got a bit more vanillin going on there. Um, acacia. Amazingly rich palate. S- smoother. It's, no. it's, a, it's a beautiful wine. I mean, that, that's elegant and it's relatively useful. Mm. It's, mm. it's got lovely weight. It's got lovely texture. Mm. It's got great length. He, this too, certified organic. This is the, the first vintage that got organic certification. Very low yield, about 25 hectolitres per hectare. Right. That's roughly half your standard yield in um, <clears throat> a big commercial vine area like Bordeaux or the, the Southern Rhone. How do these guys make that work then? Well, uh, are they charging a lot more for no. their wines and can they? Or well, they charge enough. Um, I think in life you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. and um, twenty-two hectares is a is considerable vine holding. Okay. You know? uh, so he's built it up because his dad was was a cooperateur. Okay. Who sold all his fruit to the co-op. So mm-hmm. once you're independent. There's uh, there's much higher risks, obviously, especially okay. in an area that's yeah, yeah, prone yeah. to bad hailstorms. Mm-hmm. But the potential rewards are greater as well. So I think. So he's built up a reputation over those years, then. Yeah, funny enough, I was reading this morning about the big fear of winemakers with these terrible hailstorms, which we're seeing more of with climate mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. is that if they lose an entire vintage, they lose their customers because it's it's the network of customers that they rely on. So it's they're not interested in one-off sales. It's a year in year out. Okay. Business, so uh-huh. so if your crop gets decimated, yeah, which is why historically very few people would just stand alone vineyards. They mm-hmm. practice polyculture and mm-hmm. you know kept chickens and cattle and mm-hmm. goats mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is what uh, Frederick is best known for: his red. I've rather. got a notion. A grant from the shop may have persuaded me to have a bottle of this. I've tasted it before, and Hello. I do recall it's delicious, absolutely delicious. Well, it's high time we we tasted it for podcasting purposes. Mm. The cepage is sixty percent Syrah. 20% more veg and 20% Grenache Noir. Mm-hmm. It gets the same treatment, only a longer elevage. It's a two-year stint they undergo in vat and barrel 
before assiduous blending. And if I was serve this blind, I'm, I'd almost certainly first think of Chateauneuf de Pape because you've got a lovely sort of baked fruit quality mm. on the nose there. Mm. Mm. A lot of red fruit, but it, it stays the right side of jammy, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit floral. It's You've got some full without being too fruity, isn't it? A bit of mint and a bit of violet, and again, those mm. Gary, wild Gary herbs. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's a bit sophisticated, Jason. That's a young wine, but the tannins are completely fondant. Mm. I mean, mm. I would decant that if I were serving it with a meal, but mm. that's drinking from the off, isn't it? Mm. And, um, in my experience, wines that taste... That's splendid. Red wines, I'm talking here. Red wines that taste great when they're this young, because this is only released this year, tend to stay good throughout their lives. Right, okay. And how long would you lay that down for? Decade. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I mean, I'm a fan of this wine anyway, but... The thing is, sometimes I'll taste a wine, think it's wonderful, get a bottle and then think, is this as wonderful as I thought it was? But this... Yeah, well, there's a lot of variables. And now, Doug, this is a bit of a case of um, pearls before swine. Um, but it would be remiss of me to talk to you about the Terras de Lazette and not show you its most famous wine, really. Which, well, ironically, isn't bottled as a Terras de Lazette. Okay. It's, it's a humble IEGP Pays de Hero. Uh, but it is the one and only Domaine de la Grange des Pères. First produced by former physiotherapist Laurent Vallée in 1992. Okay. So there's been... I'm a huge fan of this one. I'm obsessed about it. Of, of the 24 vintages released to date, I own bottles of 17 of them. Seven elude me, including the inaugural 1992. So, oh, for your completest tendencies, Jason, that must be. If you stumble across a bottle, yeah. Well, subject to condition and provenance, if I ever find a bottle in two digits, i.e., under 100 quid, I'm a buyer. Um, we released this earlier this year at 65 pounds a bottle. You won't find it under 100 quid now, sadly. And it's not it's not an appellation as such. It's 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 funny enough. It falls firmly within the Terras de Larzac. It's just the guy who makes it, Laurent Vallée, was mentored by Elwar Derbach from Domaine de Trevenant. And Elwar uh, Derbach, I think it's fair to say, is not a fan of the INAO and the appellation control okay, system. Okay, so because he was punished throughout his early career for using too much Cabernet Sauvignon in his in his very famous wine. And so I think his protégé, Laurent, I think it's fair to call him that, shares the tendencies of uh, Elwar, his mentor. So this is a blend of 40% Syrah, 40% more red, 10% Cunoise, and 10% Cabernet Sauvignon. And do you know, Jason, I'm going to savour this because I have illustrated it. I have you have, and I but gave... I have never tasted it. And I gave Laurent via your illustration which he was very very pleased with he rates 2016 as being the most balanced vintage he has made since 2001 which he thinks was the best vintage he made mm. so it's very young no doubt about that boy it's very very fine and rich though isn't it well I do mean, you know the thing is i'm reminded of something that one of my favorite artists said about when you gaze at a masterpiece when you just smell the aroma that's coming out of this glass. I'm reminded of what Paul Clay said about great art, which was that when you stand before a masterpiece, the light of intellect gutters out 
It is a bit of a showstopper. The, um, it is somewhat. I don't know what the, to say about the, it. I love the minimalist label, but the, the nose is, is quite subtle, but you, mm. you've, got, you've got some violet there, red and black fruit, some of the Gary berries, and those briary uh, aromas. But then the palace is just so fantastically well integrated. The tannin, the acidity, it's quite grainy tannins, it's quite peppery in the mid palate. Yeah. And um, Well there's everything in there. I don't think you can talk about it really. This pure defies description. Pure basically. plummy fruit. And it what it is, is beautifully balanced. It's mm. a really high minus wine and I could happily get stuck into that there's, right now. There's forest floor in here. Yeah, there is. It's just got anyway, it's so got, much going on. It's got 20 years ahead of it. Mm-hmm. A lovely vintage of a, I think, arguably in this country, certainly in America, underrated wine. But um, I'm a big fan. I'm a collector. And um, it's been a real pleasure to show it to you today. And that, if nothing else, illustrates the massive potential of this superb enclave of winemaking. And whilst prices in Burgundy spiral out of control... I'm staying firmly in the longer dock, mate. Yeah, I'll join you, Jason. Cheers. More adventures in wine at www.yap.co.uk.